Colossians 1, verses 11 through 14. Hear now the word of God. May you be strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. Lord, we thank you for this word. May my preaching be faithful to it, glorifying to you and encouraging for your people. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Yesterday was Reformation Sunday. And if you will excuse me, looking at my iPhone, none of you should do this. It's a very dangerous thing. But I have recorded something there or copied something there that I, that I want to read to make sure I, I get it right. It's the day that marks when Martin Luther, the German priest, put up on the door at Wittenberg or Wittenberg uh, the 95 Theses. He wanted to debate the Roman Catholic Church and others about certain things of theology and doctrine. And you may be familiar with that, the 95 Theses, and, and, and uh, it happened on October 31st, all, the, all Hallow's Eve, uh, and therefore, you know, on Halloween, we celebrate, in most of our churches, Reformation Day, because that's the day when Martin Luther called the Roman Church to consider certain errors of theology, particularly as they related to repentance and salvation. Some of you probably have this memorized. I don't, so I have to look at it. Uh, but item number 36. Y'all with me on that? Any truly repentant Christian has a right to full remission of penalty and guilt, even without indulgence letters. Indulgences were the big focus there. But hear what Luther is saying here. Any truly repentant Christian has a right to full remission of penalty and guilt. Number 37. Any true Christian, whether living or dead, participates in all the blessings of Christ and the church. And this is granted him by God even without indulgence letters. Let me read that one again. Any true Christian, whether living or dead, participates in all the blessings of Christ and the church. And this is granted him by God. These two together, I think, form... I'm going to put my iPhone away, okay? As you all should. These two summarize in many ways, the, the, the title of the sermon is The Double Cure. And some of you may real, realize we're going to sing that after the sermon, uh, Rock of Ages, that be of sin, the double cure. You know, basically cleanse us of its guilt and power. I think these two points made by Luther back on the, the first Reformation day speak to those things speak to the idea that every person who 
repents and believes and trusts in Christ needs to understand that there is full remission. There is full cleansing. It's not partial. It is complete. There's a wholeness that we are freed from the guilt of sin. That we are freed from what it means to fall short of the glory of God. I'm, I'm sorry, am I moving too much? Is that making that sound kind of weird? So should I put it on my... Okay. Uh, okay, thank you. Uh, y'all get distracted when I'm preaching? I get distracted when I'm preaching. Um, that when we are completely trusting in Christ, there is nothing left to be paid It's done. And in addition to that, full remission, all the blessings, all the blessings of Christ, all the blessings of what it means to be a part of His body, all the blessings belong to us. And again, there's nothing lacking. And one of the, one of the key and most important blessings is the idea of being out from under the power of the bondage, the enslavement of sin. That which used to dominate us, run our lives, lead us astray, and cause us to fully live out the rebellion that we have had and experienced against God. Now if you're like me, I hope you're not, <laughs> but if you're like me, you may want to ask the question, it doesn't seem like it. Or make the statement, it doesn't seem like it. My Christian life is filled with struggle. There's heartache. There's pain. There are people I love who hurt. There are disparities that we see in the world. There's injustice. There's unrighteousness. Things aren't right. The world seems to be getting worse. And I get caught up in it. The passage that hits home most to me is, in this world you will have tribulation. Maybe many of you can identify with that. What I want to communicate to you today is that there is an encouragement for us and the reason why we have that encouragement. Because these two things, being freed from the guilt and the power of sin, are incredibly important. It can revolutionize the way that you live your Christian life. When you read a passage such as Colossians 1, and it talks about being strengthened with all power and being able to endure and having might and patience and with joy, giving thanksgiving, there may be times when you feel like that is indeed 
just flows naturally. But isn't it true that every one of us have those moments where it hurts too much, the pain is too deep, the struggle is too strong, the enemy seems to be too great, the light is flickering if it's still lit at all. I think the beauty of the Scripture is that when we read passages like this, it's not a call to be perfect. It's a call to manage the imperfection. It's a call to manage the struggle. It's fuel and food and comfort and encouragement and wisdom to continue on the walk when the walk is so hard. That's what these passages are there for. The world is still groaning. If you remember from Romans 8, and reading there, the, the world, all of creation is groaning in agony until the day of the redemption of God's people. Until Jesus comes again, the world will groan. There will be agony. There will be pain. There will be struggle. There will be tribulation. What makes it different for a believer is that in the midst of the trouble, in the midst of the struggle and tribulation, there is encouragement and hope and a goal that is sure and certain and set. In the midst of your struggles, again, if you're like me, if you knew how it was going to end, sometimes you think, I can make it. I've never given birth, in case any of you were really wondering about that. But it is my understanding that going through the pain of childbirth, part of what makes that endurable is knowing what's about to happen with the coming of the child and the joy that that child will be. So you endure the agony and the pain and the difficulties knowing the joy that is coming. For those of us who are believers, we, I need, we need to be reminded that the guilt of sin is taken care of and moved away. The power of sin no longer controls me. And even though I'm still in the midst of a groaning world, I am going towards a target and a goal that has already been accomplished. And so today I get up and I put one for foot forward. And then I put the next foot forward. And we see day by day how we manage and how we make it through. This passage is an incredible passage. I want to work our way through it and show you some of what God's Word communicates here that I hope will be an encouragement to you. The first two verses, verses 11 and 12, I see as a message of encouragement. With verses 13 and 14, 
as the reason for that encouragement, the basis for that encouragement. So if you, if, if you need to have points of a sermon, that's what the points are. <laughs> encouragement and then the reason for the encouragement. Verse 11, may you be strengthened, Paul says, as he writes to the church, the believers at Colossae, with all power. Now in the Greek, that word strengthen and that word power have the same root, dunamis, if you're familiar with that. Dynamite, power, strength. So maybe you could say it this way, may you be empowered with all power. Paul is saying that that is something that is essential and crucial and needed for believers. We don't have power in and of ourselves. And in fact, that word dunamis carries with it the idea of inherent power. Paul is saying, may you have that that inherent power that comes with all inherent power that you need. That which is sufficient. That which is what you need to make it. Sometimes you need a lot more power than you have. Sometimes you just need a little bit more power. Sometimes you need a lot of encouragement. Sometimes you need a little encouragement. Whatever it is that you need, Paul's prayer is, may you receive it. May it be something that comes up from inside of you as an inherent power. The source of that power where that power is going to come from, again, this was my distracted mind uh, as, an, as an analogy. You know, I, I joked about borrowing an RV. We've actually looked at some RVs. Yeah. It's probably better than living in our car. <laughs> Not that we'll do that. But one of the fascinating things about RVs that I'm learning is, you know, there's the battery power, there's the generator power, and then you can plug it into the power. You know, there are different sources of power, and of course it's always easier and more efficient to plug it into a source of power, the electric company, instead of running the generator or using the batteries. Because that's the, that's the more unlimited source of power that's going to flow without interruption. doesn't have to continue to be fed, at least from the owners of the RV. In this passage here, Paul's prayer is that you would be strengthened with that inherent power, all the inherent power you need, which comes according to God's glorious might. Talking about the best power source, that power source is going to flow well without any limitations. That doesn't have to continue to be fed. It's that power source that comes from the glory of God Himself. That's the type of power that is available to us. It's a manifested power. It's the power of the Creator. It's Creator power. That out of nothing, all that exists now comes into being. God speaks and it happens. Creator power is the power that can be ours for the strength that we need. The reason we need strength, as the passage goes on, 
is connected with that word for. So Paul prays, may you be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for, for the purpose of, all endurance and patience. Couldn't it have been for something else? Couldn't it have been for a victory, for dancing, for singing, walking, climbing, swimming? <laughs> but it's for enduring. And it's for patience. Enduring and patience. Why? Because we still live in the world where the creation is groaning. God knows. He knows the life that we live. He knows the struggles that we have. He knows the frailty of our own lives and the sin that still resides within us that we struggle with constantly. We need to endure. We need to have patience. That word endure combines two words that mean abiding under, supporting, being able to, to withstand a pressure and a weight that comes down upon you. Abiding under the pressure and the weight and the cares and the worry and the struggles of the world in which you live that weighs so heavily upon you. When things are difficult, doesn't it feel like that there's a weight on your shoulders? There's a heaviness in your chest? There's a slowness and a burden in your walk? The power that God gives us is to help us abide under those powers and, and, and struggles and pressures and weight that come upon us. And then with patience, that word basically means to have a long temper. It's the opposite of anger. It's interesting. I mean, I, I don't know if you've thought about patience in that way. Patience, quite often, I think just the, the immediate thought that comes to our minds is that we just need to, uh, you know, let time go by. Just, we just need to hold our breath long enough or whatever it might be for something to change or something to get better. But really what it means here, this particular word in the Greek means don't get angry. Don't get angry at God. Don't get angry at yourself. Don't get angry at the world. Don't get angry at, at, the, at the challenges that come. Don't get angry. Endure with patience. Abide under. Suffer long. The opposite of anger. We can't do that. But we have this power source that's plugged into the glorious Creator God that is able to give to us all that we need. Therefore, with joy, we can give thanks to the Father who has qualified us, made us competent and fit and sufficient to be partakers or to share in the inheritance of the saints in life. There's the ultimate goal. And so God is saying, hang in there. Let me encourage you to make it to the end, to that place where the inheritance of the saints in life will be yours. And the groaning world will be no more. The groaning self will be no more. The need to struggle with anger and impatience and, and endurance, the carrying those weights will be no more. 
Paul prays for the Christians that they might have power to endure and to be patient. That's an encouragement. That there is power there. The reason we can be encouraged verses 13 and 14 is because in verse 13 it says he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son those two verbs delivered and transferred in the Greek are aorist indicative aorist means that it's a that it's, a, it's a, an action in and of itself that's kind of complete and, and, and full may have ongoing consequences, whatever it might be, but it's basically a full and completed action. The indicative mood means that's the mood of certainty and reality. And so when you think about that, what, what these words in the Greek are communicating to us is that He has, with all certainty and in all reality, Delivered us. That word delivered basically means rescued. He has rescued us from the domain of darkness. We're no longer trapped there, confined there, in bondage there. We have been delivered and rescued from that darkness. And we have been transferred. So He came in and scooped us up from the domain of darkness and has placed us now in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of the beloved Son. The word transferred means, is again, it's two words put together, change and calls to stand. In other words, He has caused us and changed us from standing in the midst of the darkness, under the bondage of sin, slaves to sin, under the power of the evil one, He has scooped us up and rescued us from that and has caused us now to stand in the glorious light of the Son of Christ, the Son of God, Christ our Savior. We are now in a completely different place. And he says that it's a done action, it's completed, and it reflects reality and certainty. Those are powerful things. Because when the cares and the concerns of the world come upon us, it seems like we don't fully, perhaps, maybe it's a challenge to believe that these things about God are right and true. The great hope that we have is that there has been accomplished for us a double cure. We are no longer guilty of sin. We have been washed clean from crimson to white. We have been washed clean. And we now, in this world, and in this life, 
anticipating the life to come, have power to endure and to be patient. I say all this because I'm preaching to myself. Just as I mentioned in my report, it's been a hard several months. If I had to put it into one sentence, this is the sentence I would say to myself. That the challenges of the Christian life do not negate the truths of what Christ has accomplished. The struggles of the Christian life do not negate the truths of what Christ has accomplished. I want to burn that into my own consciousness, into my own mind. Rock of ages cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. That's the encouragement. That's the hope. That's the promise. Based upon the incredible work of Christ on our behalf.